Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosser. It's me a great pleasure to welcome today, to the first time to Viewpoints, Tim Elliott. Tim's an award-winning journalist whose work has appeared in the Sydney Morning Herald and the Australian Financial Review, the London Financial Times and the Sunday Times. His book, Farewell to the Father, first arose from an article of the same name in the Sydney Morning Herald's Good Weekend magazine. And that article generated one of the largest reader responses in the paper's history. And we're talking uh, about The Last Stand, uh, The Good Fight. Uh, that appeared in Good Weekend uh, not so long ago, written also by Tim Elliott. But firstly, welcome to Viewpoints, Tim Elliott. Hi, Henry. How are you going? Very good. And as I said off air, congratulations on, on, on the piece that you wrote. I, I found it uh, a many-faceted piece and took me into all sorts of places where and giving me knowledge I didn't know. So um, from that perspective, thank, thank you for, for that piece. Yeah, it was fun to write, that's for sure. I mean, publishing's got lots of, um, lots of characters, lots of egos, so it was always a good area to wade into. Now, that particular one, um, I'm always interested, always have been a bit in history, Tim. Where did that one germinate? <laughs> that story, where did it germinate? Well, I have always been interested in publishing, obviously. I'm a journalist. Um, I've always been particularly interested in print publishing. I started in magazines. Um, and look, Bauer is, has been on my radar for ages because it's such a storied publishing house. Produced some of the most famous mags in Australia, and you know, uh, most people know it's been through some pretty tough times mm. in the last couple of years. So um, I thought, well, look, this is um, really quite a, a, a famous Australian institution going down the tubes. Essentially, I thought, yeah, I want to write about that. Mm, and you did, and uh, I think you started the the piece very, very interestingly in two thousand and three. The Australians Women's Weekly uh, turned seventy, and there was a massive party on. Um, uh, from there to now, it's been quite a journey. You might like to tell us a little bit about that. Well, since then, since that amazing party that cost apparently millions and millions of dollars, things have yes taken a turn for the worse. Look, there's been uh, the glory days of print probably in the uh, late 80s, mid-90s. You know, a magazine like mm. Australian Women's Weekly could uh, generate $2 million bucks in revenue each issue, you know, top out at kind yep. of 300 pages. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and, um, but... The, there's been massive structural changes in the in publishing around the world, not just in Australia, but um, you know the introduction of the internet um, and you know huge internet sites um, like Facebook and, and Google have really disrupted the whole business model of magazines and stolen, you know, siphoned off off readers by the by the by the millions. And you know if you look at the the ad spend decline in print magazines in 2008, it was 484 million. And in 2019, it was 88 million. So hundreds of millions of dollars have disappeared from magazines. And what that essentially means is that magazines can't fund themselves as well and publishers can't, can't re, um, resource their titles as well. And so you kind of end up in this vicious cycle of the magazines not being as, 
as well resourced as they should be, quality kind declines a bit in print at least. And so readers uh, are left perhaps a little bit um, jaded uh, and they look elsewhere and maybe they move online where they can get the same, often get the same sort of content for free. You know, you mm. can get a lot of celebrity content online, sports content online, a lot of that stuff, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, um, all that stuff can offer a lot of that content that old magazines used to and it costs them nothing. Uh, I think it's a different experience. I love print myself. I love holding something in my hands. But a lot of people, a lot of young people are like, well, who cares? I want, to, I want to get that stuff for free. So it's been a, it's been an ugly decline, really, and quite sad, because a lot of the titles we've lost um, in Australia are real institutions uh, and had great loyalty um, for so long. Uh, and they certainly uh, taught Australians how to live their lives in many ways. Australians, Australian Women's Weekly taught Australians how to cook, you know, and Vogue taught them how to dress to a certain extent. Um, so these things have made a real change to our cultural lives. And now that they're going, it's quite sad. So that's that's a real thumbnail uh, look at the decline of this industry, and it's been very sad as far as I'm concerned. Mm. It, it was uh, it was interesting. Uh, Kerry Packer loved Channel Nine uh, and also his um, Australian Consolidated Press. Um, you'd have to say one of James's, his son, who took over um, one of his master strokes was selling that off. <laughs> yeah, I think he look. I think he saw changes coming. Uh, he wasn't a dumb guy. Uh, like his dad, I think he saw sniffed the wind, saw that um, traditional publishing, the business model behind traditional publishing was broke, and yeah, went into gaming. But personally, look, gaming, he might have been a smart uh, businessman, but gaming, why would you want to get into gaming? Just personally, as a journalist, it just seems so incredibly, um, sort of a horribly jaundiced world to get into. But anyway, that's just my, my uh, mm. opinion. But uh, I think publishing is a whole lot more characterful and interesting. But, um, yes, he certainly saw those changes coming, so he sold out. What's interesting, and uh, it's a great piece to read, is how Bauer, I mean, they're a big, successful German company. Um, Tix runs on the board, lots of wisdom there. Uh, this is all, and this is part of everything going pear-shaped for Bauer. H- hard to believe they they were either so naive or misread the winds. They they were so... I couldn't believe how how badly they misread the Australian market. Um, they I think they came in thinking, oh, Australians are a bunch of rubes. Um, they, uh, they don't know how to run a publishing house where this um, Goliath uh, publishing... Uh, uh, Goliath... Uh, global publishing machine, we know how to make money, we're going to show these guys. But they just totally misunderstood the Australian business model for publishing. And then in, in Germany, they produced a whole raft of mm. cheap, um, really kind of cheap and nasty celebrity sheets, um, TV guides, uh, puzzle books. Um, and they can sell those because in Europe, they have this massive market of, of readers. So they work on a a newsstand model where they just sell, make most of their money off cover price. But in Australia, we don't have that market. So 
So what Australian magazines have often had to rely on, especially the upmarket glossies, is ad revenue. And so they've got, you know, 70% of their money comes from advertisers, um, advertising in their mags. So to attract those advertisers, though, you have to produce a really good-looking mag, um, really well-resourced, great paper stock, best photographers, great writers, uh, and top-shelf design. And Bauer, that wasn't traditionally what Bauer did. It just wasn't, they just weren't into producing premium magazines. They just didn't get it. And they tried to apply their mass market kind of model to, to Australia, and it really backfired. Readers just went, uh, no, we don't want that. It's not working. And they kept on going with it. You know, they just kept on persevering, and it really proved the end of them in many ways. Mm. Yeah, egos, as you said in, in the piece, uh, publishing has long been a world of egoists and eccentrics uh, and the, the list you put there, Rupert Murdoch, Murdoch Robert Maxwell, Randolph Hearst, Kerry Packer, so on, they certainly uh, cover the gamut of those descriptions and probably Bauer has, <laughs> has that uh, in there too. It's an interesting point you raise about how um, Australia can be seen by uh, other parts of the world, uh, the Western world, the big countries like uh, America, England, uh, France, Germany, as sort of a little bit of a backwater and yet get it so wrong. The Germans the Germans are, are, are pretty sophisticated in many ways. Yeah, I was amazed. You know, I was just, this is one of the most fascinating parts of the story, um, that, uh, that they... They ostensibly, yeah, it's really sophisticated culture. Uh, they, you know, you look at their their products around the world, Mercedes um, Benz, BMW, and you think, how do they, how did they get this so wrong? How did they screw this up so badly? And I was talking to one woman who, who a German woman who's worked really closely and knows his family, knows about family, and has worked with them in Germany, and she just said. And she worked for ACT as well. And she just said, look, Australia, the way Australians run their magazines and the type of magazines they have is so far ahead of the German market and so far ahead of, in fact, a lot of the European publishing markets. We're just a whole lot more sophisticated in what we read and what we expect from publishing. And so I was like, well, how did, you know, this company's so successful, Bauer is so hugely successful and makes so much money. How could they have made such an wouldn't they have seen that they needed to adjust their model um and and also how have they been so successful in europe like and she said because they can operate a calculator <laughs> you know she just said <laughs> yes. it's all about it's that simple it's just producing a certain number of mags in a certain market uh selling what you need to sell making sure you sell them at the right price and it's pretty easy their model's quite easy to pull off mm. so mm. yeah they that was blew me away when she said that that's amazing we take a short break tim can you hold the line Back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grussick. I'm in a middle discussion with Tim Elliott, senior writer with The Good Weekend. We've been focusing on a great piece he wrote in a recent edition of The Good Weekend, the title Fight, The Last Stand. Welcome back, Tim. 
Henry, how are you going? Good. Now, Tim, um, I spoke to you about this off air. You wrote a piece, a very personal piece, some time ago, which uh, ended up uh, inspiring you to write a book, Farewell to the Father. You might like to tell us a little about that. Uh, yes, that piece came about. Well, look, it was about. The piece was about the suicide of my father when I was about uh, 18 years old. Uh, but look, it's also inevitably about a whole lot of other stuff. It's about the family. It was about family and love and mental illness and the extent people will go to to support someone they love who is suffering from mental illness. And essentially, I grew up with my dad who was, as a boy, who, when I was a boy, my dad was severely mentally ill, had bad bipolar, was a really successful man on the space of it, played rugby for Australia, was the top doctor in Sydney, um, hugely respected and liked. Um, and underneath it all and behind that was his severe mental illness and he he basically in the house he led this he was the most incredibly volatile you know volcanic rages um and then huge and smothering love for us and generosity spiraling to, into more volcanic rages to the stage where my mother and i uh had to leave the house one night to get away from him he, he lost it, became violent, we had to run out of the house and stay in a flat um, nearby in an address he didn't know, so he couldn't come looking for us. And eventually he killed himself. Uh, he was, because, look, of his mental illness, but also, um, to be completely honest, because we weren't there. Um, so there was a lot of, a lot of guilt uh, on my on my part, uh, a lot of guilt, certainly on my mum's part, and also my other siblings. I've got two sisters and an older brother mm. who had left the house by that stage anyway. And we all were torn apart by it. So that story really went, you know, told the story, that feature story explored that whole period of my life. And it got a massive reaction at that stage. That story got the biggest uh, response, read response in the history of the newspaper. Did that surprise you? Did it surprise me? Um, kind of, um, but in retrospect, at the time I was taken a bit by surprise by mm. the size of the response. Yes, you can't be, you can't help but be a bit blown away when you get literally millions of people who read the story and respond in such a positive way. Um, but looking back, in many ways, I think that often the stories that you write that have the most the most personal input, the more, the more personal stories with high emotive impact um, very often do better than the traditional pieces of journalism where, you know, investigative pieces or profiles. They, you'd be amazed. Readers want to read about stuff that is close to the writer's heart and which mm. touches them in a very personal way. And... Uh, that's one thing I've learned actually through 25 years of being a journalist is that the more personal stuff you write often gets the biggest responses. Mm. Was it a, 
I mean, that was a very personal, and I said to you, a fair courageous thing to do. Um, what prompted you to write it? Uh, because sometimes uh, the personal, we, we protect ourselves and our feelings from the outside world with, with good cause at times. What prompted me? Look, for years and years, I mean, he died in 88, March 88, a long time ago, right? Mm. For decades, like for 20, 20 years, I just sat on the story. I thought, well, it's not, well, I didn't really even regard it as a story. It was such a personal part of my life. Um, and it seemed to be off limits for me. I just thought, no, I can't write about it. It's too complex, it's too hurtful, it's too, mm. too deep and powerful a part of my life. I can't go there. Um, but one day, the editor of Good Weekend, a guy called Ben the Pastec at the time, Ben the Pastec, said to me, oh, hey, I saw a story on his desk about suicide. And I said, off, just off the top of my head, I said, oh, that, that happened in my family as well. Mm-hmm. And it was he was one of the first people I'd ever told outside of my family. And it just came out of my mouth. I'm not even sure. I don't know. It's one of those things I just said. And he said, oh, right, you should write about that. And he kept on hassling me about it. <laughs> he kept mm-hmm. on hassling me for months and months saying, oh, you should write that story. You should write that story. And eventually I wrote the story. And there was a whole lot more behind it than Ben thought. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole history of my family and the history of my dad's illness and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so that's really how it came about. Like most things, it was kind of almost accidental. Mm. It's had a great... Um, yeah, look, um, I think most families have been touched by, by suicide and, and mental health issues. And uh, I remember uh, it happened in our family once. And what surprised me... Tim was the the number of people who who were touched by that themselves, and it's it's often a silent uh, issue that people don't share and talk about. And when somebody does, it's like uh, a tap; it just gushes out, doesn't it? Yeah, it was really. It it, it is um, because I guess if you've been keeping something so quiet and private and hidden. Um, is something you didn't want to talk about for so long. If you, if someone says, "Yeah, I've been through the same thing," it's incredibly, uh, it's incredibly powerful because it gives you, it validates all those really confusing, um, conflicted emotions that you have, and it says, mm-hmm. "Well, you're not the only one. Um, someone else, you know, other people have been through this, and other people understand." Uh, and that's a really validation of a huge part of life. You know, you've got to feel validated in the stuff you do. You've got to feel like mm. you're like you're a valid human being, and your experience counts and makes sense. Yes, that is that is so true. Times on the the wing, Tim. Um, leaving that story aside for a moment, and the 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 one we've been talking about, the last stand, the title fight. Um, another story that you've written that uh, stands out as one that you're extremely proud of. Um, oh, um, there's probably a lot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, this, it's funny when you look back, you can only ever see the mistakes you made. Um, <laughs> but look, there's been, uh, been, look, there's been lots of stories that I've really enjoyed doing and I've really put my heart into and really worked my gut off, really worked my butt off and my guts out, I should say. <laughs> um, and, and the investigative pieces kill you, like they can take months to do. Uh, I did a, a big story on uh, the tobacco industry earlier last, I think it was early last year, 
Um, but oh, it almost killed me. It was just the research was just enormous. It was such a hidden world and mm. um, so much chicanery and stuff. But yeah, so so there's just too many to name really. I, lo- I love working in this job. It's just hugely rewarding and pretty. It's it's a privilege really to have the amount of words to write the stuff you love. Mm. And 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 you're incredibly humble about it too, Tim, which is uh, quite. Uh, quite moving can i thank you so much for your time tim it's been a, an absolute pleasure um, both reading what you write and uh, having the pleasure of having you on viewpoints no no thanks for having me henry it's been great my pleasure i look forward to reading your next piece uh, when can we expect to see the next one well <laughs> i've been on i've been on uh, long service week for two months which has been a pleasure to it yes. um so i'm just getting stuck into it now so you uh, look usually they take at least six months to get out these stories so maybe in two months i'll have something out in six months oh, wonderful. Um, six weeks six weeks yeah and and we'll be handing you to come back on viewpoints <laughs> yes that would be great <laughs> wonderful that was tim elliott award-winning journalist senior writer with good weekend listeners we'll take a short break don't go away